0: Independent, expressive of a spirit of independence, self confident, unconstrained. Hey, welcome to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong, and this is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight, on Independence Day, we welcome Rich McCulley. Rich McCulley's approach to life might well be called the Tao of Rock. After spending his formative years playing in bands and touring out of California's agricultural San Joaquin Valley, McCulley fell into working at a recording studio in Fresno. When he outgrew that gig, he relocated to Los Angeles and started his own recording studio, Red Hill Recording. Fast forward to 2014, and McCully is a successful songwriter, engineer, guitarist, and producer with several albums under his belt, and his commitment to not forcing things is as strong as ever. And it has worked out well for him. His songs are well-crafted, and his studio and stage calendar is as busy as he wants it to be. His Rolodex is full of some of Los Angeles's top musicians, and when he calls, they pick up the phone. Songs he has written or co-written have been heard in TV shows like Grey's Anatomy and Cold Case and in movies like Little Birds and Donner Pass. There are hundreds of gigs on his resume, but these days he spends more of his days closer to home in order to have some much-deserved time with his growing family. It's an enviable position to find oneself, but McCully doesn't let it go to his head. He just keeps on making great music. Welcome to Independence Day, Rich McCulley. Hey, man. Hey. Hey, thanks for coming out. Thanks for having me. It's cool to have you. You and I run in such similar circles. Like, I bump into you all the time, like out among the Los Angeles English, out at shows, et cetera. I'm not sure that we've ever shared a bill, but, you know, we've never really sat down and talked for any uh, extended length of time. So I'm glad to get this opportunity, man. Thanks for coming in and making it part of your day.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, You're a busy
0: guy. You're working on a lot of stuff.
1: I am. Never a dull moment.
0: Never a dull one. You've got a young one too, a little, a wee one. A wee one. Yeah. Does it take up a lot of time? Yes. How has that changed what you do in terms of your music career? Like having someone who's like become the new focus of your life.
1: Well, it, it may it means well. First, there's a many, It's changed in many ways. When you hear that, oh, it changes everything. It really does. I mean, if you're a good parent, which I'm trying to be. But uh, I mean, like this whole r- last record, I writ- wrote a whole bunch of songs about starting a family, which is not the normal fodder for songwriting for me in the past. Yeah, yeah. But that was, you know, something different. But like everything, everything we do, you know, you have to f- factor him into. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, if, we have a gig, um, you know. Anna, his mother, w- plays music too. Right. So if we have a gig together, we have to get a babysitter. If we uh, only want to, if like we rarely go to each other's gigs anymore. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I mean, you know, it adds up, and it's just uh, so everything. He's in the equation. Like uh, we are going over to the central coast this weekend, Anna and I. You're talking about your wife, Ana Maria yeah. Rosales, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, we are. Well, we're not technically married, but you know. Okay. She, uh, your de facto wife. Yeah. Um, my baby mama.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> one way to say it, Rich. Would she be, would she be vexed by you saying that? No, she would laugh. Yeah. She probably would say worse things about me. Yeah, because I know you guys. I mean, you produce her records, so there is some musical cross-pollination between the two of you. But not for the live show. Do you perform with her a lot? Often? Most of the time? Some of the time?
1: Well, it's funny because when I first started dating her, I was like, "Well, first before that, after my last girlfriend, before that, who was a musician, I'm I'm never going to date another musician again." Then I meet Anna, and I'm like, "Okay, but I'm I'm going to keep it separated," and then. At the time, my studio was down in Echo Park, and she lived a few blocks away. And I was there working on a uh, a song for a client, adding some backup vocals. The client wasn't there. And my, my friend, Todd Herfendahl, who I co-write a lot with, was doing harmonies. And I go, dude, should that be a, that part, should that have a, a female vocal too? And he goes, well, I can hit that notes. I like, go, oh, no, I know you can. You have a great high range. But should it be a girl? He goes, yeah. I go, well, let me call on it. And I figured I'll call her because if it, if there's some weirdness or something, it, uh, no one sees it. Yeah. And then uh, she came down and like not only knocked at the harmony out of the park, but I go, well, give me a little, give me shelter at the end, and that's like the moment of the record. So yeah, at, from that point on, it was like, all right. All bets are off. Yeah. And uh, she started playing in my band. And then, um, you know, we've been doing this duo a lot lately. And uh, it's, it's cool because I get her to sing harmony. She's a killer harmony singer on a lot of records I've been producing. But there's not usually there's not that awkward, hey, my girlfriend can sing. Yeah, yeah. Because most people already... She's a, a known name yeah, around and town. People know that she's a solid more singer. More often than not, people are, hey, do you think Anna would sing on this? So it's been working out pretty cool. But uh, the, her record started in a neat way. Me and Todd, who like I just mentioned, we had a bunch of our masters sitting around. We got, we took all the, a bunch of ones that... that uh, we're sitting around that where she could a the key would work or b the words would work or slightly changed. Let's have her sing them. Then we have a version for film and television with a female voice. And after she did that, she goes, "Rich, I want to make a record. I've never made a record." But she goes, "I want to do all songs that you've never." So I basically wrote her a whole album. Okay. worth of the material. Because sometimes I know, like
0: being in a band with your girlfriend or wife, or you know, or flip it around from the female side. It can be too much, you know, when you've, you're working with someone on, you know, a, an artistic level, and then you go home and you share a bed with them. Like that can be a bit much sometimes. It gets like that whole Fleetwood Mac thing, where. Uh, but then sometimes, like the, the best example I can always use, and I, I name drop this guy way too much, is Tom Waits and Kathleen Brennan. Like their relationship, like his music just got better and better when he started working with her. So. Uh, you know, I like to think that it's possible. It seems like it's working for you pretty well.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, aside from the personal side, some of the best records ever made have that. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge X fan, and you know, they got divorced and still work together. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you got your buddy and Julie Miller. Oh and yeah, you've and, you've and those records your, are great.
0: Uh, I'm trying to think. of oh, the Richard and Linda Thompson, uh, of course. Fleetwood Mac. We mentioned that. before. Yeah, and, I
1: mean, rumors. You know, it's, yeah.
0: It's nothing more need be said. I'm talking to Rich McCulley. He's a Los Angeles-based singer, songwriter, and also music producer. We'll talk a little bit more about the stuff he's working on later. He's got a relatively brand new record called The Grand Design available. You can pick it up at his website, which is richmcculley.com. Also, are you on CD Baby? Yeah, all the usual, usual places. Everybody is. I don't even know why I ask that question anymore. It's like everybody's, everybody's everywhere. That's what the internet has brought to us. It's called The Grand Design. The track is right here now. Rich McCulley on Independence Day. I don't seem to mind when the rain
2: is coming down. It's alright. I don't spend my time waiting for sunshine. It's alright. I feel so alive today. For you, I want.
0: Joe Armstrong, his name is Rich McCulley. The record is The Grand Design, and the song is right here now. You should pick it up, man. Rich McCulley, you're like a legend in this town. You do a lot of, you've done a lot of shows. You've played with a lot of people. How long, now you grew up upstate, though. Right?
1: I grew up in Central California. Yeah. Visalia, Fresno area. Okay. Yeah, in, in the foothill, almost in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas up there. Um, It's flat, it's agriculture.
0: Yeah, yeah. But you got the water coming down out of the mountains, though. yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm saying that because I'm headed up to uh, Yosemite next month, and I'm very excited about this. Oh yeah,
1: I mean you could. When I lived in Fresno when I was younger, you could go to uh, Yosemite, like in a little over an hour. Yeah, it's like an hour. We go go up there and just eat lunch, climb up on the top of a big rock, eat lunch, hike for a couple hours, and come home.
0: Let me assure you, man, growing up in Chicago, where there was nothing even akin to that, like we had some rocks, but it was nothing like that. That's <laughs> a beautiful country up there, man. Uh, so this record came out just last year, and this is your fifth full length record. Tell me a little bit about like when you get to the point in your career where you've got five records, like how does your process change from record to record? in other words how 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 have you evolved? how have you changed how do you approach each one
1: Well some things I think remain like a kind of a sort of a process and others they evolve I've always kind of um, utilized my surroundings you know um, like whatever musicians I'm working with a lot of the time I can um, a couple records ago I was dating a violin player so there's a ton of strings on that record Yeah, and um this record, you know, I had just had a my first and only child, and that was just kind of so there's songs written both before and after it's kind of the whole process, but so there's a lot of that in the writing and yeah of course, his mother Anna sings a lot on the record, yeah yeah, and I mean there was just um, um I, I have a habit. I've had my own studio for quite a while, so I kind of just record songs as I go and don't okay. think about them. Kind of like Prince. Like I've heard that he just uses always recording stuff all the time. Yeah, and then you wade through them later, and then you kind of just know. I, I did, and, and so that's why maybe some of my records have a lot of different musicians. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this record is slightly different. About half of it is like that. where, And then about half of it, I specifically got my live band and uh, played the songs with those guys. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a little different. Um, Not that I'm ready to make another one yet, but I was thinking maybe I'll just hold off, just keep writing and try to do, I would like to do maybe just to break the process next time and just do everything all at once.
0: Yeah, it's different. Everybody approaches that process differently. I mean, I found that... I, I take far too long to make records. I'm certainly not Steely Dan, but I have, I have different, I don't know, pursuits or hobbies or things that I do, and they tend to take time away from probably the time I should be devoting to music. Um, so when I make a record, you know, it becomes a, a, big, a big deal, even though if it doesn't sound like a Steely Dan record, it becomes kind of a big... Not the actual production of the record, but the production of the process of making a record becomes right. a big production. If that makes any sense, it does, and it kind of takes over my life, takes over my apartment, takes over my relationship, takes over everything. Um, and I would always, I've always dreamed of doing it like, like the John Mellencamp way, where you go in, you know, you just teach the band the songs, like right there, you bang them out, and the whole thing is done top to bottom in like two weeks. Like that would be like a dream for me.
1: That's what I do in a sense. I mean, I, no one has ever heard. None of the musicians have ever heard the tunes. They show up, and I go, all right, we're going to do this one right now. And we discuss it, play it for a while. All right, sounds good. Let's lay it down. And uh, there's something. it's funny, because a lot of times you think, oh, I could have played something better. Yeah. But that helps keep a looseness to it and a, a spontaneous vibe. I mean, you know?
0: Yeah, you can definitely practice the vibe out of a song. And that's the time to not do that is when you're going to record it. You know, so now in your studio, are you set up to do like a full band? Oh, yeah. Full band, do you have like isolation for amps and stuff too? You just kind uh-huh. of go with, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, what's, do you have a name for your studio? Red Hill Recording. Red Hill Recording. And are you, is this like your full-time thing, doing the, the studio gig? I would say it's my
1: biggest probably source of income. I mean, I do a lot of Sidemen stuff. Uh, I've had a lot of songs in film and television lately. I mean, I'm kind of uh you know, gigging, whatever. I just, it's all music that I do. Yeah, yeah. But... uh, That's a pretty, that's a cool thing. I mean,
0: mean, I'm assuming that was a goal of yours, was to be full-time music, you know, growing up.
1: Yeah, I I mean, just really when I was young, I wanted to avoid getting a job. Yeah. (laughs) And do you find, you know, because some people, you know, I
0: dated a girl once, where like that kind of lifestyle would drive her absolutely out of her mind. Like that kind of instability or that kind of lack of like defined path in the regular world. You know, was that ever a concern for you?
1: Um, I never thought twice about it. Now I do that. I have a kid. Oh, definitely. And so I think that you asked earlier how to, has that might've also affected the way I approach certain things. I mean, I have to look at the bottom line of everything and, you know, I mean, what projects I take on and and I'm less willing to negotiate sometimes rate or time. It's just, you know, I want to spend, if I'm not working and making money for my family. I want to spend the time with them. Yeah, definitely. Because your time becomes more valuable
0: to you at that point because there's a little person who you don't get that time back. Like any time you spend with them now is time that you're spending with them now. I mean, it's maybe understated, but it's it's extremely valuable. That's this person's life you're dealing with, this little person you've created and brought into the world and you're nurturing, you know?
1: Well, I mean, and I, I can watch that like... um like my folks live close so he sees them all the time okay. honest folks live far away and he doesn't see them as much and i just see the way their varying relationships differ yeah i mean and and it boils down to hours spent you know yeah, yeah. and uh, flight time man
0: hours in the seat with your uh, you know with your uh, bud in the cockpit seat was having a family or you know having uh, an offspring was that a goal too in your life <laughs> or did
1: that just kind of happen it just kind of happened yeah yeah, are you happy it happened? It's the best thing that's ever happened. Yeah, but I also think it was good timing. Although I, I didn't, wouldn't have known it. Um, being a little bit older, I, I think I'm at a place having done so many wonderful things. I don't feel like uh, having to change. It's okay. In fact, it's welcome. Yeah, um, and. uh he makes me a better person.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's cool. You know, in terms of, you know, making life changes, I remember, I'm almost hesitant to admit this, but I remember when I was a kid in high school, we went to a concert in the summertime, the band Mr. Mr. Remember those guys? <laughs> I LA Kyrie Laysan was was, uh, and Broken Wings were their two singles. And I remember, they were all session guys from LA. And I remember, the, the concert wasn't super well attended so at one point they did that thing that they said oh you know there weren't a lot of people down in front so there was a big giant outdoor shed with the lawn and everything and the guy richard i think richard page i think is the singer and he said "Ah, oh, everybody just come on down much to the displeasure of the security staff but they just let everybody down to the front of the front of the arena so everybody would be kind of close to the stage so we could really see what was going on and at one point You know, Richard's, you know, he's, he's talking and the guitar player, and when they introduced the band, he said, when he was introducing the singer, he said, you know, and he's a new father, like as of today or yesterday. And even at that age, like I was in 16 years old or whatever, it kind of, it wasn't lost on me that this guy was out on the road while his kid was born. And I mean, that's a choice that musicians make a lot. You know, because if you get a chance to do the big tour, you know, that was the height of their career. They weren't going to get a chance to do a tour at that level again, probably. So, you know, I imagine there were some pretty interesting conversations between he and his wife (laughs) on the phone at that time. And I'm sure it was painful for him. I mean, it's cool to be playing a big concert like that, but not when your kid's being born, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, right. I got offered and accepted because I didn't know it was going to happen, a big tour, like a 30-day tour. And, uh, and, uh, it was going to be real cool. And it ended up falling Jarvis's birthday was smack dab in the middle. So I had to like, when I realized what his due date was, I had to back out. I mean like his birthday, birthday, like Dude, due date. Due date. Yeah. Okay. Not birthday he, he was party. Birthday. Like birthday. birthday. He was going to be born. Okay. And, uh, it was disappointing but yeah. i wouldn't miss that for the world there was no decision for me i mean it was i didn't even think about it when when anna got back from the doctor and told me the due date i'm like well all right i'm, I'm i'll be right back i'm going to go cancel yeah. this tour i mean 15 minutes later it was like yeah and i knew they could get another guitarist i mean yeah
0: well that's the thing about being a guitar player like everybody uh everybody plays guitar in this town man you know like i always joke like standing in line at starbucks you asked the barista like well, what's what gauge strings do you use Right. (laughs) (laughs) How about, man, you brought a cool old guild guitar here, man. How about you play a song for us? What's this first one going to be? I'm going to play a song called Don't Know What to Do. And this is on the most recent record, right? The Grand Design. All right. So let's hear this. Rich McCulley on Independence Day. Another night, killing time, staring
2: at the tube. Sitting here on the couch trying to find the truth I tell myself it ain't so bad then why am I this blue? I'm down to my last cigarette and I don't know what to do I don't know what to do since you've been gone I don't have a clue as to what the hell went wrong I wish that you could tell me what is broken inside of you Wasn't in the cards or meant to be and I don't know what to do My friends are tired of hearing me cry about the one that got away say it's time to leave her behind, along with yesterday. Now I can't help but wonder how long is this goodbye? Is it just for right now or the rest of my life? I don't know what to do since you've been gone. I don't have a clue as to what the hell went wrong. I wish that you could tell me what is broke inside of you Wasn't in the cards or meant to be, and I don't know what to do Lost in memories of days gone by Can't get over you, Lord knows I've tried There ain't nothing left to do or say To change your mind I don't know what to do since you've been gone I don't have a clue as to what the hell went wrong I wish that you could tell me what is broke inside of you Wasn't in the cards or meant to be and I don't know what to do Wasn't in the cards or meant to be and I don't know what to do
0: Very, very nice. Rich McCully doing a little bit of finger picking on his guild guitar here in Independence Day. You can learn what you need to know about Rich McCully at richmccully.com, R I C H, pretty normal there, M C, then capital C U L L E Y, but you can drop off the capital for the website. That is irrelevant in terms of URLs. But learn about him at richmccully.com, also facebook.com/slash richmccullymusic. And he does not tweet. Tell me about the role, speaking of not tweeting, tell me about the role of technology, like how you've watched it change in your life. You're a Pro Tools guy in your studio, but you don't tweet. Like, how did you start off with your studio? Were you always a digital studio, or did you have to move from analog to digital at some point?
1: Well, back in the 90s, I worked at an analog studio, and, and uh, we had a tape machine and a, a giant console. And uh, at the time, um, my band... My band had just got, the band that was in, we just got dropped from our record label, Columbia. What was the name of that band? It was called Sweet Vine. Okay. And uh, we sold three records. I think my mom bought two of them. But uh, that's beside the point. But uh, so I kind of moved back home from the Bay Area back to the Fresno area. And one of my buddies had a studio and I was trying to figure out what my next move was. And he's like, yeah, I need help. So he kind of just, I mean, and we we did tape and eight ads were kind of that. Oh, know, yeah. In at the time. That was a
0: format. This is, we're going to do a little tech talk thing real quick here. That was a, uh, a format that came out in the early ish to mid 90s that was a digital recorder. It did eight tracks per tape and it recorded on a super VHS tape, which looked like a regular VHS tape. Yeah. It was a little bit more rugged, but you could add them together and sync up, at least in theory. They would sync up, and you could get two of them and do sixteen tracks. You get three of them and do twenty-four tracks, and eventually, I think you could even go up to thirty-two. Yeah. Um, but they were kind of finicky, and
1: but it was the precursor to Pro Tools. Yeah. Really.
0: Yeah. There was. It was like a stopgap at the time. It was. It was a way to jump into digital recording. And the big thing was that the tape was cheap. You know, a reel of two-inch tape back in the day, literally two inches wide magnetic tape, was a couple hundred bucks.
1: And it had ten minutes or fifteen
0: yeah. minutes, depending the on camera. your depending on your ips, which is your inches per second. You could get. I think you could get 10, uh, 15 or 30 out of a, a regular reel, if I remember correctly. Yeah, or, it just depended. Yeah.
1: but uh, So I'm sorry. Yeah, I was interrupting. You're talking about ADATs in the oh, studio no, up in and Fresno. so I just kind of learned how to record. And a uh, few years, fast forward a few years later, I was getting ready to make a record, which is the first one. And I thought, I can pay someone a bunch of money, or I can buy some stuff so i bought no this is my second record i'm sorry um the far from my far from a 2005 yeah record. so i took a couple thousand bucks and just bought some stuff yeah and uh did you go with ADATs or did you go with no no pro tools pro tools you know digio2 and okay and everybody it was like funny i started just recording all my buddies and and uh i like, oh, you're pretty good at this. I I bought it just to record myself, and I was living in San Francisco. Ended up uh, moving down here, and like, well, I need to make some money, so I said, I'm going to go for it. So I I got divorced, left my ex-wife, so I sold, took my portion of the house and invested into equipment. Uh And uh, so it was... I thought it would be easier to find clients to record than get a guitar gig. <laughs> yeah. yeah, again, because everybody plays guitar. And that's the thing, you know, knowing
0: those skills. Are you completely self-taught as an engineer? Do you just kind of learn it on the job? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I mean, the best advice I can give anybody for these kinds of things is uh, get a set of headphones with a long cable. Because you can, you know, unless it's a super loud guitar, you'll never be able to tell. You can just put a mic in front of whatever instrument you're trying to record, get your headphones on, and move the mic around until it sounds like you want it to sound. It sounds very simple, but, you know, even a, you move a microphone two inches in one direction, closer, off axis, left, right, up, down, whatever, it changes the sound pretty dramatically. Mm -hmm. And you can go a long way with that, man. I mean, there's like kind of the meat and potatoes, you know, drop an SM57 in front of a guitar cabinet or on a snare, you know. Um, you know, four twenty ones for toms and things like that. Just different types of mics.
1: Well, I I had a funny experience that kind of goes along with that, and I think the the most important part of the chain is obviously the song. But beyond that, the musicians playing it. And I had an old buddy that has a, a studio. He has a much more complex, like I guess I would say, pro studio setup. But you know, it's in Fresno, and he he found me on the internet, and it's like, "How do you get this to sound like that?" I go, "It's the dudes I play with yeah I mean all that's one of the great things about Los Angeles is like all the all my friends I play with are guys whose records I bought growing up, you know, yeah. and now they're like on my list of people to call, and they're yeah. great musicians, and yeah they, they sit behind the kit or plug in the guitar, and it just sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, you can do that. There's like three cities you can get away with that pretty readily in and then a few others that are kind of a little close to that, you know, New York, Chicago, and L. or I'm excuse me, New York, Nashville, and LA. Are like the top tier places where the player everybody's a great player. And
1: then like Austin and, and, like Chicago, Austin and Chicago are like, second, are like tier.
0: second tier, and they're pretty good too. You know, you can get by there. There's certainly some solid studios in Chicago. Great players there too. Um, but if you're if you're serious about it, man, you got to get to one of those places, I think.
1: I yeah, it's it's funny because the last couple of years, I've record, I've recorded quite a few out of town clients that just found me some weird kind of way, and that was they don't have access to that, you know, and they're always blown away. You got the guy from X playing drums, you know. You got the horn section from the Tonight Show. I mean, just like you know,
0: yeah, they're my buds, you know. Yeah, here in L.A., that's the other thing is they're working musicians. I mean, these are people, you know. You've seen them on liner notes of records, and they've been they've been on the Tonight Show and Letterman. But, I mean, these are guys, it's, it sounds stupid, but they put their pants on, and girls too. They put their pants on one leg at a time. They've got a mortgage to pay. They've got miles to feed. They've got car payments to make.
1: You know. And, but when they do it, they make hit records. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I put on my pants one leg at a time. <laughs> I couldn't resist. No. Couldn't. Yeah, it's funny. Setting mean, them
0: up and knocking them down, right? Like
1: one of my buddies, you know, played the Grammys one night and is working at my studio on a... Indie record the next day, you know. Yeah, that's. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Beautiful. They're working musicians,
0: you know. This there's the perception of musicians. I know all being like Beyonce and living in houses with gold carpeting and tigers and. (laughs) But only the artists. But only yeah. But most of us are working at it. You know, we're out there doing it every day. And you'd be surprised some people when they come to LA to make a record, who you can get on your record because they're looking for gigs. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a little money to throw at them and a lot of them work on a sliding scale too, I found. You know, like if they
1: like your project, they might cut you deal and or if play they, something. Yeah, and they know it's indie budget. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of you know, a lot of musicians that have made hit records answer the phone like this. Yeah, I'll do it. How much? That's a good, it's a punchline without a joke, Rich.
0: I like it. Anyway, how about another tune, man? You've got the guitar. uh, The first one sounded great. What's this next one going to
1: be? I'm going to do one called Cold Water Rain. It's actually the first song I wrote for the album, although I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the song. Well, you know, I just, I'm always writing. And uh, some of them are even good. (laughs) And with that, let's hear it, man. This is Rich
0: McCulley on Independence Day. Before you,
2: I was a sailboat Adrift on the open sea Didn't know love, real love Or any of those things Yeah, before you, I was a child In a grown-up world Then you showed me How to Let my love unfurl We can ride If you want to Wherever you want to go We can roll I will take you We could even Take it slow fly above the city Hearts beat the only sound Cold water rain Coming down Yeah, the river flows To the ocean And leaves the past behind Didn't know that love could be so kind yeah the wind blows the rain clouds and darkness fades away couldn't see then what I see now with you it's a sunny day we could ride if you want to wherever you want We can roll, I will take you, and we could even take it slow. As we fly above the city, hearts beat the only sound, cold water. We can ride if you want to,
1: wherever
2: you want to go. We can roll, I will take you, we can even take it slow. As we fly above the city, hearts beat the only sound. Down, cold water rain coming down.
0: My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day, and I couldn't be happier about that. Every week I try to bring you the best of musicians from around Los Angeles and around the world. Very happy to add Rich McCulley to that list. You can learn about him at richmcculley.com, and you can learn about Independence Day at indepday.com. I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y dot Follow us on Twitter at Indepday. We've got a lot of great artists on there, man. Please dig in there and find some stuff if you're bored at work or even you're not bored at work. Go back and listen to some of those tracks. I'm doing a lot of videos today, a lot the videos these days too so check that out so rich man again glad to have you another great song so cool to see uh you know one thing i noticed that's on your record looking over here you do a lot of co-writes some people are averse to that they like to write by themselves tell me about your co-writing experience was it something you always did was it something you made yourself do to
1: just happen like how how are all these co-writes happening well for years i had a manager based in nashville and when I first met her, like, she's, you got to co-write, just because that's what everyone does back there. And I don't know, it didn't even cross my mind. And now it's just like, I, I see the idea is you try to write with people that you love their writing. And I think my writing has improved tenfold. I mean, because on a multitude of levels, A, if you're stuck, almost always, it's funny, man. I could be stuck on something forever, and instantly they have a brilliant idea, you know, because it's fresh to them. Uh, it brings me out of writing the same song over and over. Yeah. Um, you know, because they have a different approach, and uh, it also can add to more opportunities. I've had a lot of songs r- recorded by more than one person and. It's always amazing to see what the other people do with it, you know. Yeah, and uh, I always like everyone else's version better, but uh, yeah. But it just—I just think it—it it just opens the world up. I mean, every once in a while, I accidentally write one by myself. It just pours out. But a lot of times, if I come up with something real cool, I'm like, oh man, I gotta finish that with so and so and save it, you know? Yeah. Because it always will come out. Better than I expected, you know?
0: Yeah. And how did you... So you got started because you had a
1: manager that would then pair you up with people. Well, initially, she um, just said, you know, look around. And I had one real good friend in San Francisco who I mentioned earlier, Todd Herfendahl, and He moved here about a year before me. So we just kind of toyed around with the idea and started writing some songs. And he's since become one of my biggest writing buddies. We just totally, I mean, he's an amazing artist himself, writer, singer. And we, we do a lot of work together. And, uh, but she, yeah, she paired me up with some other people. And, uh, at first there was a learning curve and then there were certain people that I gelled with right away, like Dwayne Jarvis, the first song we wrote together was killer, you know? And, uh, and then, but she put me in with some of those more Nashville types. And I got schooled too. There was one writer. I mean, and she's had like a lot of hit cuts and some minor hits. She's very successful and well respected. She's like, oh, you can't do that. And the song we wrote wasn't very good, mostly because of me. A couple years later, I came back to her and she had heard growth I made and said yeah I'll take another stab at it even though it was kind of uh, and we wrote a killer tune and then now it's like someone that I've grown to write with and we wrote the the second song on Anna's record together her name is Irene Kelly, Irene Kelly yeah. she's an amazing artist and writer and, you know it's it's nice to have hopefully caught up with her you Yeah, know, where she like wants to write with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, writing,
0: it's very serious business. It's, it's a, uh, it's high art. It's a whole skill, just like any other skill that you have to work at to develop. And certain people of course have, you know, like a propensity towards it or like have a, uh, like a natural ability to do those kinds of things. But, It is something you work, do you work at writing or is it just kind of tumble out? Are you like a napkin scribbler? Are you always getting up? Do you do the Bradbury thing where you get up and you write every morning or what's your process?
1: Um, I I think, I think for me, the process varies too. Um, I'm so busy. A lot of times I have to make co-write appointments to keep it. Like I try to write a song at least one a week. But I mean that could be like I finished working on a song last night that I co wrote with Grant Langston and I think it's gonna be real, real good. But we got together three different times to make it right. And um I I, I just think Grant's like an amazing writer and he always inspires. But uh a lot of times I what I do is I have I, I make snippets. I'll just be sitting there. Like you said, I'll just have a lyric idea, or a a riff, or a chord pattern, or a melody. So I've got those all over. And then sometimes it's just when it's time to write, I look around for those. Or we just one of the things I like to do. I know a lot of writers like to do this because I always want it. I don't want it to feel like that manufactured. I. Someone asked me one time, "Well, when you're writing with someone else, is it straight from you?" And yes, because you're having someone. Especially if it's a friend of yours, they see what you're going through if it's a song about you, or maybe you can the shoes on the other foot. I've written some really great songs when like as observations like you watch a friend going through something and you can just you know a songwriter they say is always watching, and yeah, so who knows where it comes from, and sometimes it's real easy and just pops right out three hours and there's a killer tune, yeah. Sometimes there's takes all
0: day. I mean, I traditionally years ago would record on a a micro cassette recorder, and so it's just what I had around. There was no iPhone, there was no digital recorder, it didn't exist. So, uh, for years, I traveled everywhere with me, everywhere, all the time. In my backpack, I had I used to call it my purse, you know, my North Face backpack, had a little micro cassette recorder, your man purse, my man purse. And anytime I got an idea, I would record it into there. And then I realized, you know, how. Uh, not crash safe, you know, those, that technology was like the tape might get eaten or I might lose the tape. So years ago, I remember committing to recording them all into a digital recording medium So I had a ton of them and it, it took me days and days to do this when I did it. And I wound up with 587, I call them seeds, 587 song seeds. And I think one thing I run into is that and I've just added to it since then. I get overwhelmed with how many things, cause it's easy for me to come up with those, but it's the process of finishing them for me. That's the bigger challenge.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just, I, I go through phases where I write a lot. It just depends what's going on. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the tail end of last year, I was writing a bunch cause I was trying to f- write all the song, as many songs as I could for Anna's record. And yeah, but Oh, maybe about this time last year. And, uh, My son was two and there's, you know, a big, They change so much at that point in time. A lot of times I would just sit around and play the guitar and he would sit on the ground and play and he liked the soothing sound. So I, I was noodling one day and I was just, I came up with a really cool little chord change and a melody and, uh, I was just singing, Oh baby, baby, you know? And then I recorded it and then fast forward to, uh, the fall, I was writing with my. I was going to write with my friend Will Kimbrough, who is one of my favorite guitar player writers people. And if, if you don't know who Will Kimbrough is, you need to check him out. Um, just do it. Anyways, Will goes. I, I got an. I got. He goes. I wrote these. We're driving to a gig the other day and down in Alabama from Nashville, and uh, he like showed me what turned out to be the chorus. I go, Oh my god, I have. I, that would be perfect with this, and basically my verse and melody, was my my chords and melody were the perfect verse for the, and we just like that song took like two hours yeah. and it's the lead off track on Ana's record. It just like, you know, we both had these little ideas that just married together perfectly. Yeah, but it was just like his, who knows how long it would have taken me to finish that, but it just what he was doing sparked.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah, you have to have that trust in the other person, you know, and you develop that with certain people. You know, I know, you know, people like John Hyatt was a like a song plugger kind of songwriter guy from back in, in the day when he went to Nashville. Like they, he got hired to just write songs,
1: and I think um, John Prine kind of does a little bit yeah. of that. And, Hyatt's so great. Yeah, he is so great. He, I don't know how he does it. How someone can make a one four five or less over and over and over again, and it's so good. Yeah, over and over. even his new record or last record. A year or two ago was great. I mean, yeah, constantly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's just it. Like, in some ways, they're like reinventing the wheel over and over and over, but it's it, they're doing it at such a high level. Uh, you know, it, these are the people that we, you know, that we worship as songwriters, at least I do. Right? Oh, yeah, Hyatt definitely. and Prine and a lot of the guys of his ilk. It's well, so they remind
1: me to keep it simple, stupid.
0: Yeah, Tom Petty, I think, is a great example of elegant simplicity. Like what he's doing sounds very simple on the surface, but there's a lot going on there, and that's what makes it good. But you mentioned before uh, your your uh, your wife slash girlfriend slash partner I know Ana, baby mama baby mama Anna Maria Rizal. It's got a brand new record coming out. You want let's spin a track from that. Uh, and this when is this going to drop? You think?
1: I have no idea. Hopefully sometime this year. We're just trying to get get it together. Yeah, you know, putting out an indie record is. Uh, It's on its own timeline. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, things have changed, man.
0: It's not like there's a big record label like breathing down your neck and like asking you to get it done. Like you do it on your own schedule. Get it, when it's ready, it'll be out. You know, figure out how to do it.
1: You know, and I had a good example of the lesson learned on that on my album a couple years ago, Sarah Gordo. It kept taking longer than I wanted, longer than I wanted. I thought it was done. And then in the 11th hour, I wrote what turned out to be the opening song. And... Not only is that been was the perfect song to open that record, but I've placed it a couple times, really big placements. So I mean that that song's the gift that keeps on giving. And if everything would've went according to schedule, that I don't know if that song would exist. Yeah. You know? And yeah, definitely. it's it just sometimes you just gotta go, Okay, this is happening this way for a reason. You have to trust in
0: it. Like, trust in, uh, you know, there's that whole, there's the Bradbury quote. This, this quote has been said different ways by different people. But, like, Bradbury's is, uh, you know, jump and build your parachute on the way down. You know, like, some people prefer, like, leap and then, you know, jump and the net will appear. But I don't want a net. You know, I want wings. You know, jump and build your wings on the way down. Build it, it will come. Yeah, if you build it, if you build it, he will come. Uh, So this is uh, actually it's not Rich McCully, but it's very it's produced by him. This is a track from Ana Maria Rosales. It's the track uh, "Ain't No Good in Goodbye" from her upcoming record. Is there a
1: name for this record yet? Um, I don't think I don't know.
0: All right, so this is a preview. This is a world preview. So everybody, dig this, Ana Maria Rosales on Independence Day.
3: I've made some bad decisions. I regret the day I let you go.
0: Not Rich McCully, but it's produced by him. It's Ana Maria Rosales from a brand new record that's gonna drop hopefully sometime later this year. The track was Ain't No Good and Goodbye. I've got Rich sitting with me here now, we're talking about making music and writing songs and co-writing songs and how great John Hyde is, which I could talk about all day. Let's talk a little bit about like when we mentioned this a little bit before, how you know you've got this life in music where you make in- income from various things. Now I'm not looking for numbers here, but percentages and how you like you know, what percentage of your income comes from your studio versus placements versus gigging? Uh, $1 kind of, million you're, you're, dollars. <laughs> one million dollars. But like I said, we're not looking for numbers, uh, but like what per- percentages here? Like you're piecing together an income from all these different things.
1: What's the least the least of the line
0: share comes from the studio?
1: Yeah, well and in and around about having my own studio, I record a, I can record a lot, so you know, I've placed a lot of music, I've I've got jobs where they call you Thursday and ask if you can do a song on spec and they want it by Sunday. And I've got done a few of those where I got a nice chunk that I wouldn't have been able to do if I didn't have my own studio. How did you find that kind of work? Oh, it always finds me. Yeah. You know, I've had people plug in songs and last summer, I got the first song I've ever got placed that wasn't with a personal connection. It was one of those like... Song plugger people type yeah things. yeah because you can pay people just to do that well I didn't you. pay they got a percentage but I I, I, I it's like ninety nine percent I think it's just being here like people ask like of course when I tour you know you always mention oh this song was on that show this song was on that show and people like elsewhere they always ask and I say it really is it's it's who you know it's like because everyone's in film and TV down here you know so you're bound to you know have friends that work in it. And the it, the idea is just like anything else. If they're a fan of yours, they want to get your music heard. Yeah. You know, or if the song fits. I mean, I wish I could say that I knew how to do it. Then I could maybe do it a lot more. But every time I get something on TV it's so or a movie, it seems so completely random. Yeah. Like one time I was looking for an apartment. And the guy's like, what do you do? I go, oh, I'm a musician. He goes, oh, I put music in film and TV. He goes, do you have a CD? I go, oh, I got one in my car. I went down and gave it to him. Literally, like three days later, he got me a song in a movie, uh, a, like a B movie. Yeah. It wasn't a, a giant amount of money, but... Yeah, every penny counts, man. It, it was pretty hilarious. You know, it's just like, that's LA, right?
0: Smaller bills are just as green as bigger bills, man. You can use them to buy stuff. It all adds up. It does all add up. It's all good for, for diapers and... Yeah.
1: such diapers and, diapers
0: and <laughs> beer man so uh, what would you tell because that's I guess maybe that's the thing how would you what would you tell a young musician like they've just come to LA and they're looking to get movies or get songs in movies get music you know synced up to whatever like or just just be active be out there play just meet people like what do you what would you tell them
1: I say I'll say this two levels because I hate smoozing. But being out there in a non-smoothie way, if that makes sense. You know, because you can sense when people are only hanging around because they want something. But just by being out there and being cool, playing, hanging around, you know. Um, I was talking to this guy the other day who told me um, they were playing at a bar. I can't remember the bar, a little bar in Venice or Santa Monica somewhere over there and a bunch of guys came in off the set for some tv show and they were just there to have a i think it was a coffee shop a cup of coffee before they all went home and they played their song he said there was hardly anyone there but the guy's like i love that song do you have it he goes oh it's on our cd they put it in the show they were working on and i mean that's the la story you kind of just do what you do not that you shouldn't try to chase things down but I think yeah. the organic way always seems to yield.
0: Yeah. And it's real, you know. Well, luck, you know, luck favors the prepared as they say, and it also, you know, fortune favors those who are out there doing it. You know, as I like to tell myself and other people, you know, there are no booking agents in my living room. There are no, song, you know, music supervisors in my kitchen you know uh to get out in front of those people you have to be out in the world in front of where those people are cuz you can send stuff you know back in the day we would send albums or cassettes or CDs to people but then it's just one of the millions of cassettes and things that they that and, that they get they might hear it they might not
1: and it's even worse now i mean because people's inboxes are full of links or mp3s yeah at least when you got a record there was like a physical thing that maybe someone like The the the, they looked at the cover, and for some reason, but yeah, it's all about relationships too. You know, you can't just meet someone for the first time and ask them for something. I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, you have to wine and dine a, a woman. You know, you take them out on a date. You get to know each other. It's the same with music business and the connections. For lack of a better word, you know, and when you authentically become friends with somebody because you because they're a cool person, and I, I think that's what you do. I mean yeah, I don't know, maybe I'm not the best businessman, but because yeah. I, I I'm not a schmoozer. I don't like to just yeah, as soon as you call it networking,
0: I'm turned off. Right, what that is like. I'm I'm the same way. I like relationships with people. I'd rather play with people I like. You know, I'll, I'll give up a few musician points, musicianship points, to play with someone that I like. Because um, if you're going to be riding around in a van with them, or you're going to have a working relationship with them, you want to like them. You want to have a good time doing it. Um, so I guess the best advice would just be to do it, whatever it is. Get out there and do it. Right.
1: I would say yeah. I mean, because I that's another thing I mentioned earlier. Sometimes these artists come from other places to have me produce their recordings and so I get my crew of all these amazing LA musicians to play on their records and and then they want to they ask me these same questions and and that's what I tell them but I say you, you know you just got to got to you got to be out there and maybe it works for some people but I'm just old school I mean that whole internet presence thing I don't get it I think it's more substantial being in the real world, you know? I mean, still going out and playing gigs, people don't buy as many CDs at gigs as they once did, but I sell a lot more CDs when I'm standing up in front of people playing than when I do sitting in my living room.
0: Yeah, again, there are no customers or consumers in your living room, or if they are, they're your friends and they've likely already heard the music anyway. You gave them a free copy. You gave them a free copy. anyway. Or even more, they gave you money to make the record. <laughs> the they played bass He's, on it for <laughs> nothing. They paid played bass on it for nothing. And now they're on tour with John Hyatt. Right. That's how it goes, man. All right, so man, I've had a great time talking with you. We've got about enough time for about one more song. What's this going to be, man?
1: This is the gift. And if we got time, I, I could tell the story. Yeah, please do. So a couple of years ago, for a while, I was hosting a show um, that Sarah Stanley and Shane McMahon, some friends of mine, we came up with this idea to do a Christmas thing at the cinema bar where everyone comes up with an original song. And the, and, uh, the first year, I wrote a funny song. It was called Getting Drunk for Christmas. So I thought, all right, I sat down. I need to write a serious song this year. Like, so, and I sat down. It's Christmas time. I wrote on the paper, The Gift. Oh, now I got to write a song. So I just sat there for a few minutes thinking. And my son was like seven or eight months. And I just thought about my life. And this was going to be our first Christmas. So, but then I realized when I finished it, it was broader than just a Christmas song. But I do have sleigh bells on the bridge, on the
0: recording. I think that's a prerequisite for modern Christmas songs. It's got to have sleigh bells on it. I know, which what? is I love sleigh bells. Man. I do. I like them. I mean, you know, listen to like pet
1: sounds. And... Yeah,
0: you'll find sleigh bells on every record I produce somewhere because I just think they're cool. Sleigh- it,
1: they have such a, it's like a looser, bigger, cooler shaker. Yeah, well, for then, the right thing,
0: and it's and it's like a, you know because tambourine I think is essential. You have to have tambourine on stuff. I and, and it, love
1: and, percussion. I
0: do too, and it's a, and it's a different. It's a it's it's tambourine esque. But it's different than tambourine, so it's jinglier somehow. It's more yeah.
1: more harmonious. It's perfect. So, anyways, I sat down for a few minutes thinking about the lyrics, and what, and that was one of those songs that wrote itself because just you know being grateful for my my new family that I never planned or thought I would have. You know, yeah,
0: that and is a gift, man. It was.
1: It still is.
0: All right, so. Rich McCully with the song "The Gift" on Independence Day.
2: the world so far away from here and you my dear you brought your grace I was lost did not belong a singer with no song to sing you changed everything you right my wrong dark clouds have all gone away. The sun, the moon, the stars are all here to stay. I've waited for so long for someone like this. Thank you, baby, you are my gift. When I'm blue, I look at you, my boy You bring me joy, yes you do Never knew just what I'd find Never knew how sweet my life could be When you're with me by my side The clouds have all gone away The sun, the moon, the stars Are all here to stay I've waited for so long For someone like this Thank you baby, you are my gift I was one And I was so alone is gone. The rain and the dark clouds have all gone away, the sun, the moon, the stars. my gift thank you baby you are my gift
0: I'm Joe Armstrong and that's Rich McCully with a song called The Gift you can find that it's on your newest record also yes it is yeah okay so that's on the Grand Design which people can pick up in all the normal places on the web and it shows and on his website which is richmccully.com. man I've had a great time talking with you this is really really fun I wish I had more time I feel like I could sit here and talk all afternoon get out some guitars write some songs I wish uh, wish we had the time to do that. Maybe I'll have to make time to do well, that. I'll have to make time to do it. We should. We should. I think so. So uh, people can pick up your record, all the usual places. Like we said, richmcculley.com, facebook.com, slash music. You've got some upcoming gigs as a side man. We won't mention those. They can learn all those on your website. But you you're, yourself are playing a show at the Cinema Bar, great west side venue in Culver City, right next to Tito's Tacos, which is nice, uh, on the 2nd of August, which isn't that terribly far away. It sounds like it is, but it really isn't.
1: No. Mark it on your calendars now. Mark, mark it on your calendars now. And will you have a band for that or will you do it kinda of solo or do you know yet? <laughs> I don't know yet. Anna and I will be both playing. We've been doing a lot of splitting this sets lately. Yeah. But uh, that's the only details I have. Okay. And there will be plenty
0: more shows coming up, I'm sure, down the road. If God's willing, we
1: will. <laughs> God willing.
0: All right, Rich. Well, so thank you so much, man, for taking time out of your schedule. It's really, really good information, both about writing and how about people manage their music. In kind of a, it seems like you almost you live your life in kind of a Taoist sort of way, like you work on things, but then things come to you just through providence and fate, and that's maybe the best way.
1: Well, it seems like sometimes the harder you try. A perfect example: the couple weekends ago. I got a gig on a Thursday. We try to do like a lot of just weekend runs up north to the east, whatever. I had a Thursday gig and I had a Saturday gig, and I I emailed and called every venue I could think of, and I just could not get a gig for that Friday. I mean, they were already booked. But uh, so I'm all right. Well, we'll just kick back. We'll just we'll be somewhere nice. We'll be in the Bay. Civilians and. Someone, one of my old buddies says, hey, are you available Friday? And it was like probably the coolest gig on the tour. So, and it just came to me like 10 days before. But then as a result of that, this whole weekend that we're going to do tomorrow were people that liked, that I contacted, but they didn't have the date. They're like, when can you come back? So it's just kind of funny. You know, I tried really hard, didn't get it. Yeah. Gave up and... There it is.
0: You know what you like, man? You're like the dude from the Big Lebowski. Like the musician, the dude is kind (laughs) of what you are. I mean, not without the long hair and all that kind of business, but uh, you just kind of let things happen the way they should happen. It's working out for you, man. The Eagles
1: probably aren't my favorite band either. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I hate the Eagles, man. You do good music, so keep it up what you're doing, Rich. And please stay in touch, okay? Let us know what you're up to. Would love it. So, thanks to Rich McCully, also to the Independence Day staff: Valentino Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The amicable Tony Tonloke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. I encourage you to check them out for Independence Day. I'm Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.